tired of feeling like you're spinning all the plates in your design business and at any moment they could all come crashing down? Are you feeling like you're so close to breaking through to the next level, but those consistent projects still aren't flowing your way? Are you ready to finally take your business from a hobby to 100K and beyond? Then welcome to the Six Figure Designer Podcast. I'm talking all the techniques you need in your design business to start paying yourself, get great clients, and finally break through that five-figure ceiling. Let me introduce our guest, Robin White, who many of you may have known because she is everywhere in all the design groups, but Robin is the owner and founder of RDW Design Studio, and it's a boutique website design studio located in Cape Cod, so that sounds like a beautiful place to be. And she specializes in helping interior designers, architects, stagers, and organizers elevate their website so it reflects the high-quality work they provide and their business has the online home it deserves. Love that word, home. That's awesome. So Robin designs websites that are not just beautiful, but allow her clients to show up online with confidence and attract their ideal clients. And we know we're all about that. So welcome, Robin, to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Pam. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. So we were just talking, we've been talking over the last couple of months and I was laughing. I was like, we really need to rein this in because you and I can sit on the phone. We've had several calls and it's been like two hour calls, right? And so we're going to have to like dial it in. So what we talked about, um, and one of the things that we want to really focus on today is that one little part of your website that both of us agree is so very important, which is called above the fold. So why don't you speak to our audience a little bit exactly about what the above the fold means when it's your website? What is that? Sure. So the above the fold is actually a print term, just to give a little bit of background about it. And it comes from the newspaper industry. And it's the part of the paper that you see above where the paper is actually folded in half. So now it's used very commonly in website terminology. And the part of the website it's actually referring to is what you see when you first land on the website before you scroll down. And the reason this area is so important, and I like to call it your prime website real estate, is this area, you have a couple of seconds to capture the attention of visitors to your website. This is where you're making that all important first impression. And if they don't see what they want, in the first few seconds, they're going to bounce off and go somewhere else. So what you put here is basically the decision maker for visitors to your website of whether they should scroll down or scroll through to other pages or leave and go to the very next website. Competition's really stiff. So you've got to capture their attention here and fast. Yeah. So this is so very important because, of course, I don't know, I'm working on a website myself and I'm sure many people have done that as well. And it's sort of like the bane of your existence, right? But if you needed to concentrate on one area to really get good at and really dial it in, that's that one area that we want to spend a lot of time and effort and thought process as to what is going to be, right? It's our first impression, right? It's, it's, it's like when someone meets you, they're sizing you up mm-hmm. immediately. So yeah. I want to encourage- you get one chance to make a first impression. You do. And I also want to encourage so many designers, um, and we've talked about this, 
go and do an experiment for yourself is go and just Google interior designer and pick a different city and do four or five different cities. And I've done this myself. And you'll see four or five different websites from different designers and they all say the same thing. So you have to think like a client, like how are you differentiating yourself in that tiny little spot? What are you doing to help them, you know, get an impression of you and to scroll further, right? Yes. And I'd love to share a couple of tips as to what you should actually include in that above the fold area. Yeah. So, so we're going to talk like, light, we're going to talk a little bit like design and also some copy, right? Absolutely. Because oh. the design and the copy of your website are equally important and they go hand in hand. So um, I'm a big believer in copy being incredibly important. But what I like to recommend that goes here is obviously you're going to have your logo or a business name at the very top of your website along with your main navigation menu. And just to talk very briefly about that, keep it simple and clear. Um, I would say seven pages is the absolute maximum you should ever have in that main navigation menu. Um, people's brains can't really absorb more than that. And we never wanna overwhelm a buyer because an overwhelmed buyer isn't going to purchase from us. Um, no decision making, right? They get like, blah. So, exactly. so what, what, what would you say your ideal number of headers at the top should be? I like five. Yep. Nice yep. odd number. Three's like not enough. Five's just like per, just bright, right? And exactly. one of those is obviously a contact button, I'm assuming. Contact right? button, which absolutely should go at the far right. Our eyes automatically go to the edges. So contact is in 99% of websites, the page that we want to, you know, drive people. And maybe to. in a color, right? Like a di I have mine in a different color. So I'm assuming we want to like, boom, we want to move that eye, right? We totally want to highlight it and have that in the right. Don't bury that in a drop down or in the middle or anything like that. Um, and the other thing that does not need to be in your main navigation is home. Because by clicking on your business name or logo, that will take people back to home. And that's kind of standard now and understood by people. So if you want to add another page in, take home out. It doesn't need to be there. And don't be really creative with how you're titling the pages in the menu. Um, if you want to have an about us page, call it about us on the page or meet the team, but just call it about in the menu. One word, nice and short, so it's not taking up too much space. If you have a blog, call it a blog. Don't call it your thoughts or your journal or anything like that. Don't leave any room for confusion. Use the conventional words that people are expecting to see there so they can find the information they want to find quickly. Yeah, I love what you said there because as creatives, we try to get creative in areas that are detrimental, right? And so rather than come up with all these crazy names, just use familiar terms so that people are feeling, because we're talking about user experience, right? And we want yes, it to be are. seamless and easy for people to know where to go and to not have to think about it. Because when they get frustrated, they just leave. So yes. such great advice to just keep it simple. I love the idea of taking that home off and just, of course, Assuming that this is industry standard in terms of what we're working on now, that that needs to be, that can just be our logo. And so such, such great advice. So five to seven 
Exactly. Pages on your website. And you could probably even combine some pages, meaning, and you, you tell me you're the expert, but you know, interior, for me, my interior design and my portfolio are on the same page. Mm -hmm. They don't have two different pages for me. Now that could be two different pages, of course, um, or be, you know, go to a hidden page, but doesn't necessarily have to be individual pages if you have other things that you want to talk about. Is that absolutely how do you feel about that? Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent with you. And the other thing I'll mention is you don't need to have just one menu. You can have another menu in the footer, which is the bottom section of your website that has maybe some less important pages, business tools and resources, um, media, um, if you hire people, you know, work with us type of pages. Um, the ones that aren't the super important pages that need to be on that top level navigation menu um, for potential clients to hire you, find out about you, your services. I mean, the main pages are really about services, portfolio, contact. Um, some will have a shop the look, some might have a blog, those would go up there. And everything else can kind of go lower down at the footer. It's sort of like you're giving them the big ideas, right? You're just giving them the big highlights so that they can figure out if you're, first of all, the person that they want to learn more about, and then they can go down into the rabbit hole, as we say. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, so I love that. from those things at the very top, mm -hmm. and we get into what is called um, the hero area of the yep. above the fold. And tell us why it's called the hero area. Just, I, I like that terminology and I've heard that before, but explain what that means. Yeah, so that's a really good question and I'm not sure exactly how it came about, but I'm gonna guess that, is it possibly because we want to tell a story and you wanna have a hero in your story? I think that's that what, what it heard? is. Yeah, I feel like it's superhero. It's like the person you're, the thing you're looking up to, the thing that's the, the, the inspirational, aspirational. Aspirational. Yeah. Image. So, yeah. Yes. yeah. So we're in agreement so, on what our theory is on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not surprising. But that, just so people who may not be familiar with this area, it's usually one big image that goes from side to side. And then you want to have words over it. So first let's talk about the words and then let's talk about the image that is best suited for that area. Um, in my opinion, and I follow um, Donald Miller's story brand framework for mm -hmm. a homepage. In Great book, by the way, if you guys ever want to learn more into that, you can dive into that. Yes, including this area. Mm -hmm. So he suggests that we want to make this area as simple as possible so that a caveman can understand what you're writing here. Um, it, by using the least amount of calories possible to absorb the information. So the three things that you really want to have in this above the fold area are, what do you offer? Okay. Um, how will it make your ideal clients better, life better? And what do they need to do to buy it? Yeah, what, that's one thing. That's a piece so good. And you should, everyone listening should really remember that is we tend to forget to tell people what to do next if they so choose to do something next with us. So we can't assume that they know what the next step is. So I would definitely be putting that, oh, if you want to learn more, like have, I don't know, is it a contact button or is it a button that takes them somewhere else? But what would you suggest that My suggestion their part is? Yeah, that third part is 
in my opinion, your call to action. And call to action is, I like to have my clients make their main call to action be what the primary goal of their website is. There is no right or wrong answer with this. It is unique every business. It can be most common, contact, schedule a call, um, book a consultation, but it can also be to buy something or to sign up for something. So mm -hmm. it really depends on what your business is. For most interior designers, it's going to be to contact them or to schedule a discovery call. So you want to have a button that's taking them to your contact page or to your calendar, whatever it is your process is, so that they can get in touch with you and book that call. Because that's what you want to do. You want to get them on that discovery call. Because they're going to fall in love. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And to take that one step further, this is what I teach to all the designers that come to me is I think on that contact us page, you should have something big that's a that's a qualifier or disqualifier to someone. And I'm not talking budget because a lot of people don't even understand what things cost, but more like maybe it's geography. So if someone's outside of your you know, the radius that you want to work in, which is maybe 30 miles or 20 miles or 50 miles or whatever it is, like, why don't you, or if they're in a, somebody talked about, you know, certain zip codes, like if you want to know where they're at, have them put the zip code in or have them put their location, or if it has to do with style or something like a big swath, right, of one or two questions that you will know, is it worth having a conversation with this person or are they, are they already not a good fit. So that's one suggestion I would make on your contact for. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I always suggest there's a fine line between asking too many questions on the contact form and not yeah. asking enough. You want to make it simple enough that people aren't going to be deterred by filling it out, but you want to make sure that you're asking those qualifying questions that are going to give you the information you need to decide if you want to spend time on a discovery call. Right. Because you can't chase after everybody. And I've talked to a lot of people who are saying, all I'm doing is contacting people and they're not right. They're not right. They're not right. And here's the other thing you can do is you can even have your gatekeeper pre-qualify somebody or you can act as your own gatekeeper. Like you can pretend to be your assistant um, and, you know, and gatekeep some of these things. So you, there's always uh, layers that you can do to that contact form. I personally would recommend not allowing people to get to your calendar right away. I agree. That's my feeling. It's like let's let's use our time wisely and let's figure out if they if they hit that first whatever qualifier that we want um, to move to the next level. And there's there's several levers levels to really qualifying a client. Yes, automation is wonderful, but actually being able to read through the answers that you get in that contact form and then reaching out with a calendar link or having the ability to ask more questions if you yes. need to is wonderful. And along the lines of what you were just saying, Pam, in the words, the copy on all the pages of your website, um, you can really get across clearly um, who you want to work with. Your, the design of your website, the words on your website, I mean, I know you're going to love this, should attract who you want to work with. Yes, or repel. Repel who yes. wants to work with it. So by the time they've read through everything and get to the point to fill out the contact form, they've already been turned off if they're not your ideal client. And 
something that you can easily put on a page in your website is we'll work great together if. Right. And, you know, itemize out, like have three check boxes or three bullet points or whatever it is and clearly state, you know, for example, I work with service providers. I don't do shops and e-commerce. I say that. Um, they still fill out my contact form sometimes, even though it's there as well. But right. um, yeah, it's there. That's not who I want to work with. So. Yes. And I think, um, you know, you don't have to be in, um, you know, making qualifiers based on only work on new builds or only work on renovations. But there's got to be some things that you realize that you would, you know, that are just no goes versus this is worth further investigating. So great, great advice. And, and I thought, I, go ahead, tell me. Going back to the words in the above the fold area, um, you want to be really careful the words you choose there. You don't want to be too wordy. You know, these are short, you know, sentences. And you should be speaking directly to who your ideal client is. That's why knowing who your target audience is is so, so important. You want to use words that they would use. You want to mirror what they would want to see. Um, you want to speak directly to them. So those few words, you know, the um, what you offer and how is it going to make their life better, you can only know how it's going to make their life better if you know what their problem is and that your service and you can solve it. So everything ties back to your brand foundations. Yeah, and I think um, if some people are wondering what those words are, if you have client testimonials, go back and look at those because you want to use those words that clients have used. And if you don't have all the information that you think you want on those, as you're asking for testimonials moving forward, say, how have I helped you? What did I, what did I help you with? What problem did you think you had? And then I was able to solve for you or help you with or support you in. And that's going to give you so much great content copy, right, for your website. Absolutely. All right. So then there's one other thing I want to talk to you about when it comes to above the fold. Can we talk about um, lead magnets? Yes. And opt-ins and things like that, which I believe should go above the fold. But you, again, tell me what you think. So I personally, pref again, this depends on what the main goal of your website is. Um, I personally prefer to have the opt-in lead magnet freebie, whatever you like to call it, lower down on the page because I want that primary call to action to be front and center above the fold. And I don't want to confuse the issue okay. with having a lead magnet there. The reason is I think people have very short attention spans. And again, I don't want to confuse the issue by giving them two call to actions in the same place. However, if building up your email list is the primary goal of your website, then I would rethink everything I just said. And that should be the primary call to action in yeah, the above yeah. fold area. So yeah, and again, I think it, it depends on each and the specific business. And um, you need to know your customer journey too. I think that's part of it is, you know, do people spend some time? Because it is, it can be, depending on what kind of business you have, it's, it's at least like buying a car. That, that's how much money they're going to spend if they hire you for design services and then up, you know, when they start to purchase things. So it is a big financial decision. So there may be some warm up period to that. But again, like a lot of people don't have lead magnets. So, you know, the contact us is so here's the other thing. We don't want designers 
paralyzed into not doing anything because we're, we're asking you to look at your website. So that's why we're keeping this really specific to above the fold. If you don't have a lead magnet, it's fine. Just put the contact button up there, right? And two or three sentences about, you know, what you do, how you help, and solving the problem. So exactly. Yeah, let's keep it simple. Go back to the image that should be there. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of designers are going to hate me for saying this. Oh, dish, let's go. Please do not do an image carousel in that Because, because. Because it slows down your website. And the last thing you want is for people to wait for several images to load before they see what they want to see. Yes. There are so many other places on your website where we can do more images. Pick the best image of your work. What you want to attract more of. An aspirational image is what we really want to have here. What people can aspire to have after they work with you. So for example, if you want to attract more kitchens and baths, don't put a picture of a living room there. Smart. So right? simple, but yeah, like yeah. we just pick the best, maybe the best picture we have or whatever, but. Yes. And you want this to be your, your favorite picture, your best project, your best work, um, what you want to attract more of. Then obviously you should make use of images throughout all of the pages on your website and obviously in your portfolio. Um, but that is the, the best image that you have. And don't do a slider or a carousel. Um, it, it's not great for user experience. People aren't spending enough time there to cycle through all of those images. Don't waste yeah. them there. Don't slow down your website. And so you make me ask you, you make me think of a question to ask you along those lines. So static image, which is great. And I'm wondering, please tell us, because I'm, I'm, I know that the percentage is high, but what percentage of people are looking at your site on their phone versus a computer? So that is going to vary based on who your target audience is. So let's Ooh, think about good. That. If your target audience is 65 plus, let's say you are targeting people at the retirement age, chances are they're looking on a laptop or a desktop and not their mobile. This is a big generalization. If you're targeting people under the age of 30, chances are they're looking on a mobile device. And so, what about those in our age bracket or my age bracket? Where are so we you, looking? We're a little split. We are, you know, I prefer to search on uh, my computer or a um, iPad. The phone is too small for my eyes. Me too. I don't like to do a lot of heavy searching on the phone. I will, yeah. I will say that. So now, every Keep website that in mind. should be mobile responsive and designed to fit to different size screens. However, this is where knowing your ideal client is so important because um, you might want your designer to design mobile first if you're really, you know, going after a much younger age bracket. So you, this is where knowing that ideal client avatar is so important. And also finding the right person to help you with your website, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> And so one of the things we did talk about, which we, of course, have got to, like, call everybody out on, which is the things that we as creatives and designers like to focus on, but really have no huge effect on the real, you know, the real purpose of our websites, right? Which is to attract people to us, to get inquiries and 
clients. So let's talk about like logos and fonts and things that will spend a year. I I see so many people in the groups talking, I've been, you know, I've done six logos and I spent a year doing this and I spent a thousand dollars and I'm thinking, okay, I know. you could have spent a thousand dollars working on your website. And I get it. We want that certain look because we, you know, we're all about it because I am too. But let's talk to the things that that distract us from our mission, as they say. Well, the first thing that I would love to just share, and I hope people really hear this, is your brand is not your logo. Oh, can I clap? Who's standing up cheering? We're making t-shirts. Yes. Let's say it again. Your brand is not your logo. Mm. So, so many people, and I think this is really going to apply to newer business owners. Um, They want to spend all their time getting that logo just perfect, Um, picking colors, picking fonts. One thing I'm just going to say, I am a huge believer that your brand foundations are one of the most important things that you should be working through. Um, It's going to make everything in your marketing, your messaging, your positioning easier. But when you're first starting out, you don't know what you don't know. And in my experience with my own business and a lot of clients I've worked with who are newer business owners, everything is going to change in the first two or three years. So my advice is you don't have to have a logo when you first start out. Um, That bit at the top of the page can be a logo or it can just be your business name written out. No one is going to hire you. I'm clapping silently here. Yes, go ahead. No, Carry on. They hire you because you have a logo or you don't have a logo. They're not hiring you based on your logo. Right? And here's my thought to that, too, is that we tend to look up to companies whose logos are extremely recognizable, like Coca-Cola or Amazon or, you know, pick another big company. And we're Google. not Google. We're not. That's not us. Generally, I mean, I don't know how many design firms are at that level. So we need to remember that we can that we don't have to follow all those rules being a smaller business. Yes. Because we're looking to we're looking at a at a, somebody that's in a different a whole different level than we are. So, Karen. I on. agree. I agree 100% with that. And I just hate to see a newer business owner spend either a lot of time going down the Canva rabbit hole trying to do their own logo or paying a graphic designer more than they should at this stage of their business um, for a professional logo, knowing that so much about their brand is going to most likely change. Um, Those are my thoughts on logos. Please don't worry about not having it. Colors and fonts are, in my opinion, a little bit more important even than your logo. And the reason for that is, as you guys all know, Colors create different emotions. People react differently to different colors. And fonts actually do the same thing. So you definitely want to give some thought to your brand personality, which should align with your personality because you want to be authentic. So if you are whimsical and fun, don't try to make your brand like, serious because you're going to come across as not being you. And that's, that's going to cause a disconnect and people won't trust you because of that. 
Um, but if you're whimsical and fun, let's just say that's what you decide, you want your fonts to be whimsical and fun and you want your colors to evoke those emotions. But if you are serious, classic and traditional, you know, you want to choose different colors and fonts. Right. You also want to think, how do you want people to feel when they interact with your brand and your business? Because again, you want to choose colors and fonts that are evoking those emotions. So, and there's no right or wrong. You I think that's what, I think that's what throws people to is, um, it's almost like you, the world is your oyster, but that's the, that's the great side and the awful side of it too. It's like, there's too many, it could be anything. And as creatives, we tend to like many different things and get inspired by many different things. And certain designers will do any style or, um, you know, so they're very flexible in that way. So you bring up a good point. And I think one, I'm going to just make a suggestion that one easy way to look at maybe your brand colors is, you know, go to your closet. What are, what are things that you gravitate towards or go to your past projects? Mm -hmm. And there is a nice tool in Canva where you can put pictures up and it'll extract colors. Mm -hmm. And so that could at least be a great starting point for what this new color scheme is going to look like. Yes. And I would actually take it one step further and say your brand colors don't have to be your favorite colors. You want them to be colors that are going to resonate and attract who you want to work with. So yes. let's give an example. Let's just say your ideal client is a bachelor in his 20s or 30s um, because you find working with single men, they trust you more and they don't micromanage you as much. So this right. is who you really want to work with. Obviously, we know, and again, I'm going to make a big generalization. There's certain colors that men are going to be more attracted to, certain colors women are going to be more attracted to. So maybe like lavender and pink shouldn't be part of your brand colors if you're trying to attract more males as your ideal client, right? So while pink might be your favorite color, it might not be a color that's going to resonate with your ideal client if they're single men in their 20s and 30s. Yeah, so that's great advice. So. Don't get too hung up on the colors, but and the fonts, but you know, there's some easy ways that Robin has given us to like identify what those colors are. And you could even Google in your ideal client, right? And with the word color schemes or color, and you might be getting some really interesting things. Or even to to Robin's point, is like, you know, pull up a picture of your ideal client in some fashion magazine or some picture and then extract those colors and see how that all starts to work through or go through projects. So, yep. And again, don't spend too much time on it because it can all change later. Well, and it's going to change. I mean, let's be real. Like even my brand colors have changed. I'm in business 30 years. I mean, my brand colors have changed. So they're going to just be, you know, change is going to happen. Yeah. And, and it's good. Change is good. Done is better than perfect. Because here's the other thing. If you're waiting for it to be perfect, you're never getting your website done. It's very true. So yeah. let's just like, we have to let go of some of that and have to be like, we're getting it done. And then if we have to go back and refine it, that is totally cool. Because mm -hmm. we saw something, we learned something, you know, we got it out there and we realized, you know, because there's when you're redoing a website, there's so many things going on. You're, you're thinking about so many different pages. You're thinking about what you want to say. You're thinking about your ideal client. But, you know, 
there's there's other things that are going to come up once your mind has like processed what this new look is and what the thoughts are. So let's not get too caught up in that. And so I want to tell everybody, I'm so excited about this, that Robin has a free gift for all you guys who are listening. So Robin, why don't you tell us about your free gift? Yeah, I would love to. Thanks. So it is called an instant website upgrade. And basically, um, you can find it on my website, which is rdwdesignstudio.com. And then it's backslash website dash upgrade. And if you send me your website, I will give you two tips that will make the biggest difference in improving it. And that will be delivered to you in the form of a short video. So you can then go take those tips and implement them and make the improvements. Yeah, and that's personalized, right? So this is why you don't, you know, this isn't offered to everybody. Um, And I know Robin said that she does this very sparingly because it takes her a lot of time to put all this information together and it is personalized to your website. So it's super exciting that we have that opportunity. So thank you for that. And you don't need to worry if you miss the if you miss the website address, we're going to go ahead and put that in the show notes. And um, as a parting thought, Robin, is there anything that you want to tell people that you're working on or anything exciting that you want to talk about or any last, you know, final thoughts that you can give people before we close out the episode? Oh, gosh. Um, You know, I just find my website design for my clients to be the most exciting thing. So when I get to the point where I'm actually ready to look at a blank white screen and start designing based on all the strategy and the materials that I've gotten and we've been pulling together and going over for the last few months, there is nothing more fun. Um, And it's probably the way, you know, most of the listeners here think about approaching a room that they're designing in a home, but I just love the challenge of coming up with something new and creative. And I'm lucky enough to be working on four different projects right now with three interior designers and one professional organizer. So um, I just love what I do and I love who I work with. So yes. And who, who doesn't want to have a little raving fan in their corner going, this is amazing. Your work is so great. Right. So we love that. So yeah. Thank you so much, Robin, for your time today. I'm so happy that we got to talk about this one little spot on your website that everybody can put a little time into, and it's really going to make a huge impact. So thank you so much for your your time and your expertise and your openness. And of course, if you want to get in touch with Robin, all her information, contact information, and her free gift are going to be in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. And thank you so much, Robin. I appreciate it. Thank you, Pam. Thanks for listening to the Six Figure Designer Podcast. If you're ready to make six figures in your interior design business, then check out my Design Business Bootcamp. Our next session starts soon. So let's get you to six figures, stat.